Hey, it's Alan, and I just wanted to let you know that you can now listen to the ongoing history of new music early and ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, guys? Oh, it's you. What do you want? I've, uh... You know how I... Out with uh, it! I've written a song. (laughs) (laughs) That's precious. You've written a song? It's a good song, too. Next you're gonna tell us you want to sing it, too. Well, I did write it. (laughs) (laughs) You do know I'm the singer of this band, right? Yes, but... And you know that I'm the chief songwriter, so... but... So why don't you take your little song and go sing it in the shower or something? Don't you even want to hear it first? Or even look at the lyrics? Give me that. Oh, that's a... Take a look at this. Hmm, this isn't bad, you know. You know there's a point in the show when I need to go off stage for a little, uh, medicine, right? Yeah. Well, if we humor the boy, let him have his moment, I could medicate myself a little more. And his trust fund is our main source of revenue. I'd say we maybe gave him a shot. Right. Say, this actually isn't bad. How about we record it, and when it comes to playing live, you can spell me for a couple minutes during the set. Perfect! Thank you so much! Won't let you down! Are you really okay with that? Sure. Besides, it's never going to be a hit. Yeah, that never happens. Does it? I don't know. Maybe we should do a show about it. All right, Alan, hit it! This is the Ongoing History of New Music Podcast with Alan Cross. Hi again, I'm Alan Cross. When you're the lead singer in a band, you're pretty much guaranteed to get all the attention. After all, you are the visual and audio focal point for pretty much everything. Okay, yeah, there might be a hot guitarist or someone else flashy in the group, but for 99% of the time, the spotlight is on you, which is fine if you're the lead singer. But what if you're not? What if you're the schlep on bass or drums? What if you're the newest member of the band and you haven't earned the right to claim any of the glare? Well, maybe you have something to say, or maybe you have something to sing. Well, chances are you'll get shouted down, ignored, or buried. But not always. I found some very, very good songs where the second voice in the band, or the third, or even the fourth, has stepped up big time to grab center stage, even if it was for just one single song. And here's the thing, you might not even know it. Keith Richards has taken over for Mick Jagger on a number of occasions. Happy comes to mind. Peter Chris sang Beth for Kiss, and that was a huge hit. Oh, and here's a good one. Grand Funk and American Band. It was sung by drummer Don Brewer, and not the usual singer, Mark Farner. Another, Don't Fear the Reaper, the biggest song ever by Blue Oyster Cult. It was sung by guitarist Buck Dharma and not regular lead vocalist Eric Bloom. 
Africa by Toto, Sister Christian by Night Ranger, Drive by the Cars, all sung by someone other than the regular dude out front. All right, so what about from the world of alternative rock? Glad you mentioned that. For example, if I were to ask you about the singer in The Clash, who would you say? Primarily Joe Strummer, but you know, Mick Jones also stepped in and took over lead from time to time, but that's it, right? Well, no. Bass player Paul Simonon had his moment in the sun on the London Calling album. When the band began, he struggled just to play the bass, but by the time London Calling went into production, Paul had taught himself how to play guitar, how to write songs, and how to be, I guess, a little bit more confident. The first track he wrote was Guns of Brixton, and the band decided to give him a shot at singing it. Now, the story goes that Paul was very nervous about recording it, and it didn't help that some executive from the record company stopped by the studio the day Paul was supposed to cut his vocal. For the entire performance, Paul stared through the studio glass at the label dude, hoping that the nervousness and fear he felt about being thrust into the lead singer's spotlight would translate onto tape. Have a listen. Did it work? The Clash and Guns of Brixton, one of the very, very, very few songs in the Clash catalog to feature bass player Paul Simonon on lead vocals. The only other one I know about is called Red Angel Dragnet from Combat Rock. I know that he wrote two others, neither of them big deals, but he didn't sing on them. So, two songs then. Let's look at Squeeze from 1981. The main songwriters in the band were Glenn Tilbrook and Chris Difford. Tilbrook did most of the singing, although Difford got in there too from time to time. But there was that one occasion where keyboardist Paul Carrick took over lead vocals. He'd been in the band for maybe a year, and he wouldn't stick around for much longer. But this one time resulted in Squeeze's biggest hit. And not only that, the track has been covered by everyone from Sting to Joe Cocker, and it's been used in TV commercials for everyone from Heineken to Burger King. And it's also been used in a bunch of video games like Grand Theft Auto. Again, not the main voice in the band who made the song a hit, or all that money. It was the second voice. Actually, it wasn't the second voice. It was the third. Squeeze and Tempted from 1981, featuring Paul Karak on vocals. And like we saw with Guns of Brixton from The Clash, it was the band's third voice on lead vocals. And in case you didn't know, Carrick left Squeeze and later joined Mike and the Mechanics, where he was their permanent lead singer. All right, moving to the Pixies. To know this band is to understand the love-hate dynamic that grew between lead singer and main songwriter Black Francis and bass player Kim Deal. She originally joined the band as a bass player and backup singer. Francis would take care of most of everything else. And that's the way it stayed except in a couple of cases. The most obvious was the song Gigantic from Surfa Rosa, the band's first album. Kim co-wrote it with Black Francis, and she ended up singing lead. To everybody's surprise, it ended up as a major fan favorite, so much so that the Pixies started including it as part of their encore. Over the years, other indie bands have recorded covers of this song, but the best use of the track came in the spring of 2014 when Apple decided to use it for one of their TV commercials featuring iPhones, iPads, and iPods. A very effective commercial. Except for one thing. 
listen to the lyrics of this song. It's about a woman watching an attractive black man making love to another woman. And then there's the chorus, which goes, gigantic, a big, big love. Whatever could she be on about? And who would Apple approve that commercial? The Pixies and their uh, Apple commercial. Gigantic, originally from 1987. And that's bass player Kim Deal singing. And I think you can say that this song contributed to the first breakup of the Pixies. When Gigantic became a fan hit for the band, Kim naturally wanted to sing lead on more Pixie songs. Black Francis did not like that. So you can see the problem. When we come back, a song that a lead singer refused to take on because he thought it sucked. So when it became a hit with the bass player doing lead, that story in a moment. We're looking at big songs where a band's regular singer decided for whatever reason to sit it out. The result is a hit track from the group that doesn't feature the usual voice in the lead position. It's the second, or in some cases, the third voice. Now, the guys in R.E.M. were all fans of collecting records. After all, guitarist Peter Buck used to be a record store clerk, and one of his big customers was Michael Stipe. So this meant that whenever anyone had a chance to go record shopping on the road, they took it. Which is how bass player Mike Mills ended up in a flea market looking at old singles. And he found a 7-inch single released in 1969 by a long-forgotten Texas band called Clique. Now, the A-side of the single wasn't that memorable. It was something called Sugar on Sunday. But the B-side was kind of cool. Everybody in the band really liked it, except Michael Stipe. Boring, he said. But Stipe was outvoted, and the song was recorded for the band's 1986 album, Life's Rich Pageant. And if Stipe wasn't going to sing it, well, then Mike Mills would. This is only one of three R.E.M. songs to feature Mike on lead vocals. wonder why. It does a really good job. Superman from R.E.M. featuring bass player Mike Mills on lead vocals because Michael Stipe hated the song. He did come in to provide backup vocals, though. Can you name the other two R.E.M. songs featuring Mike out front? There's Texarkana and Near Wild Heaven, both from the Out of Time album, and I, and I think that's it. Here's something even more rare, a U2 song that doesn't feature a main vocal by Bono. It's Numb from their 1993 album Zuropa. At the time, The Edge was going through a pretty painful divorce and spent a lot of time alone in the studio tinkering with stuff. He became fixated on a song called Down All the Days, which was a rejected track from the sessions that resulted in Actung Baby. He really liked the backing track featuring all the sound effects, a video arcade, a Walkman rewinding, a Hitler youth kid playing bass drum from the infamous Lenny Riefenstahl's 1935 Nazi propaganda film Triumph of the Will. Rather than try to sing... Edge felt that the industrial feel of the song demanded a deadpan sort of rap. His first thought was to have Bono read a poem that he had written called In Cold Blood, which dealt with the desensitizing effect of too much violence in the news. That didn't work, so Edge tried it another way with him out front. 
When the song was recorded, Bono's contribution was some falsetto vocals in the background. And for the first time, maybe for the only time, drummer Larry Mullen can be heard in the song. In fact, it was Larry who came up with the melodic hook in the track. Don't take it on board, don't fail when you say just play another chord. If you feel it getting bored. Numb, a single from U2's 1993 album Zuropa with the Edge on vocals. Bono does backup, and so does Larry Mullen. Speaking of drummers, can you name the only Nirvana song that features someone other than Kurt Cobain on lead? You have to dig pretty deep, but such a song does exist. It's the second bonus track on the CD single version of Heart Shaped Box, released in 1993. The track is called Marigold, and it was written and sung by the drummer, Dave Grohl. Now, the song has a fairly long history. Dave had been recording material on his own for several years, including in the time before he joined Nirvana. One of those projects was an album on cassette called Pocket Watch, which featured a track called Color Pictures of a Marigold. When Nirvana went to Minnesota to record the In Utero album, there was some time and space in the studio towards the end of the sessions. So Dave took the opportunity to re-record the song. He played drums, guitars, and sang. Chris Novoselic helped out on bass. Kurt, nowhere to be found. Recorded sometime on February 25th or 26th, 1993, this is Nirvana, or I guess more correctly, a pre foos Dave Grohl with Marigold. Officially, that's a Nirvana song, but Kurt Cobain does not play on the track. It's a Dave Grohl composition called Marigold, recorded at the same time as the In Utero album and stuck as a bonus track on the Heart Shaped Box single. One more interesting thing about this song. It was also released by the Foo Fighters on the Foo's Skin and Bones collection in 2006, making it the only track to ever be released by both Nirvana and the Foo Fighters. If we're going to talk about second voices on recordings, we will inevitably run into Oasis. So we might as well tackle that next. We're looking at songs that feature someone else from the band stepping up to take over lead vocals from the guy who normally does it. We're also looking at how and why this happened. When Noel Gallagher launched a coup of his baby brother's band and renamed it Oasis, it was understood that Noel would play guitar, write the songs, and add the occasional background vocal. But by the time material started coming together for the second album, What's the Story, Morning Glory, Noel was prepared to be a little more um, aggressive with his vocal appearances. He had written an acoustic number in very short order, taking some inspiration from a 1979 David Bowie song called Look Back in Anger, with help from a John Lennon bootleg. So, yeah, the opening piano bit does sound a little bit like Imagine, and that kind of explains it, doesn't it? Much of it came together in just two days while touring with the Verve. Sound checks, mostly. And if the song's lyrics don't make sense to you, I mean, who's Sally? Why can she wait? This is because Noel was happily stoned for much of the time while he was writing the lyrics. When it came time to record the album, Noel had it in his head that he was going to sing lead on a couple of tracks. He first wanted to do Wonderwall, but he lost that fight to Liam. But when it came to Don't Look Back in Anger, he wasn't going to let that one go. Good move, too, because the first Oasis single to feature Noel became the second Oasis single to reach number one on the British charts. 
The leader of the band, but the second voice in Oasis, Noel Gallagher and Don't Look Back in Anger. Now, here's a great one. Jack White was 95% of the White Stripes, and he sang every single White Stripes song, right? No. Meg White sang on several tracks as backup and as lead on five tracks. Here's one of them. This is from the Elephant album, and it's called In the Cold, Cold Night. I can't stand it any longer. I need the fuel to make my fire bright. So don't fight it any longer. Come That's the White Stripes, and In the Cold, Cold Night, and yes, that is Meg White singing lead, one of the five times she did that for the White Stripes. Here's perhaps the ultimate example of second voices coming through in a band. Actually, that doesn't even begin to describe Sloan, because not only does everyone get a turn at the mic, but everyone in the band also gets to contribute songs. The best example of what I'm talking about is probably the vinyl version of Sloan's 2014 album, Commonwealth. It's a double album, and each of the four sides features material written by a member of the band. Record 1, Side 1, features songs by Jay Ferguson. Five tracks. Record 1, Side 2, is all material from Chris Murphy. Another five songs. Record 2, Side 1, comes from Patrick Pentland. Four songs. And Record 2, Side 2, is one big, long, 18-minute track written by Andrew Scott. The first release from the album was Record 2, Side 1, Track 4. It's a Patrick Pentland track called Keep Swingin' Downtown. Sloan with Keep Swingin' Downtown from their 2014 album Commonwealth. Everybody gets a turn on that record. Okay, I got one more. When you think of Radiohead singers, it's Tom York, full stop, right? Everybody channels their personal creative muses into solo projects. So if you want to sing, go do a solo record. But when it comes to Radiohead songs, Tom is always the guy singing, always. It's his voice on lead vocals on every single Radiohead song except in one case where he was replaced by a computer. Tom had run into a bad case of writer's block and was looking for some way to break through. So he turned to his Mac. This is 1997, so it must have been some kind of power book and a program called Simple Text. Tom just wrote a bunch of slogans into the program and let the computer speak. The result was both unsettling and powerful. It almost ended up as the opening track for OK Computer, but was considered too much of a downer, so it ended up as track seven. And here it is, the second voice in Radiohead, which is a synthesized one. Better, happier, more productive, comfortable, not drinking too much, regular exercise at the gym, three days a week, getting on better with your associate employee contemporaries, at ease, eating well, Radiohead and Fitter Happier from 1997's OK Computer. It's the only Radiohead song not sung by Tom York. In this case, it's the speech function from Simple Text, an old Mac voice synthesis program. If you're looking to reach me at any time, and I encourage that, just send an email to alan at alancross.ca. You can also go to my website, ajournalofmusicalthings.com. It's always being updated with cool stuff like music news and music recommendations and audio, video, whatever I can get my hands on. And once you get to the site, you could be there for a while. That's just a warning. 
I'm also on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram. Look for me there. And please, if you have any suggestions or ideas for show topics, let me know. Always interested in what you think. Technical Productions by Rob Johnston. I'm Alan Cross. You've been listening to the Ongoing History of New Music podcast with Alan Cross. Subscribe to the podcast through iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, and everywhere you find your favorite podcasts. 